Double Shot Tuesday continues with this. Again, I'm going to rely on the audience. Who, who plays this after a win? The Milwaukee Brewers. All right. And away we go with uh, Double Shot Tuesday. By the way, somebody asked me, who's in New Orleans on uh, Saturday? Mm-hmm. Why do you guys call it Double Shot Tuesday? <laughs> it's the imaging, man. Yeah. One of the great traditions of... Rock stations years ago was Double Shot Tuesday, playing two songs with a great artist. And we took some of the imaging that you hear, and, and that's from WSHE, She's Only Rock and Roll in Fort Lauderdale, um, which was around when I was growing up. And uh, that's the imaging for it, so that's where it all came about. Anyway, today's Double Shot Tuesday theme. These are songs that teams play after they win. Mm-hmm. And like I said, and Scott had this idea, and he was telling me during the UCF game last night that he produced, um, and I was like, okay, but, you know, are we going to get enough response? And he's like, yeah, I think so. So it's, uh, it, I like a good challenge, but you're yeah. telling me this has oh. gone over well early Yeah, here? great. Okay. Okay. I have to say, though. You need band, song, and team. We're doing it. It's another one of those where we're requiring three things. Yeah. Band, song, and team. Mm-hmm. Makes it sound better. If okay. we can explain who it is, it, yeah. it just yeah, sure. it works better. All right. So uh, that's uh, today's Double Shot Tuesday theme at 50857. Uh, Somebody did text this in, though. Uh, I just want to celebrate by Rare Earth. It should be played after every win for all sporting events and bingo parlors. Wow. Hadn't thought about person as their own bingo celebration music. That'd be great. Like, if you won and then on your phone you just start playing yeah. a song? Wow. Okay. There you go. All right. What's wrong with having your own hype music? Yeah, there's absolutely nothing uh, wrong with that. You heard, by the way, the story I, I, I told um, Taylor Young I forgot to do on the show yesterday when I ordered shrimp. Oh, yes. At uh, a grocery store on uh, mm-hmm. Sunday. I was... Um, I ordered, and I said, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like a pound of those jumbo shrimp. And I respect the person that is really good at just guessing the weight. You know, like they put a certain number in the bag, and they throw it up there, and the guy's like, yeah, one pound even. So I said to Taylor, and Scott heard this, what's the number that is close enough over or under that you're okay with? Like if you ask for a pound for something, whether it's deli meat or in this case it was shrimp, and, um, you know, if it's .96, if it's 1.08 or something, oh, yeah, you know, it's That's good. Okay. My man gets up there, puts the bag on the scale, it's .78, and kind of gives a look like, good? And I'm like, nah, a little bit more. Then goes back in, the gloves on the hand, grabs and then starts dropping one. At a time, yeah. But, but puts in the, and, 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 like, he's putting a flame out. He's like, Psh! And I'm like, let's get Emeril Lagasse working. And here? I'm like, nah. And then it keeps going. Yeah, point seven. You're not even close. No, not at all. Yeah. So, 
Would you rather, for <laughs> theatric purposes, yeah. would you rather where he underfilled it and then was doing one at a time, or overfilled it and was taking them out of the bag? I admit that that's awkward sometimes because, like, my number on the over, mm-hmm. like, if it comes in at 119, I'm okay. If we're at 13 something, then I'm like, hey, can you take it out? Mm-hmm. Unless it's no big deal. Yeah. And, and I probably wouldn't have cared, but 0.78, like, 0.7 is not close enough. Yeah. Come on, man. Let's go. A little bit more there. You know what I'm saying? Step it up a little bit. Um, Yeah. Uh, Our friends at Florida Citrus Sports announcing this morning it is the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl to go along with the Cheez-It Bowl. So Double the uh, Cheez-Its. Well, our New Year's Day Bowl now has a corporate sponsor. It is Mm. the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Not the Cheez-It Bowl that will be played before, but it's the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Mm -hmm. So... I'm guessing there'll be no shortage of Cheez-Its inside the press box, and who doesn't like a good bag of Cheez-Its? I mean, the thing is, well, they're, they come in boxes, so there's that. Well, not the little bags. Oh, true, true, true. Yeah. Well, I like to get Cheez-Its as a meal sometimes. <laughs> like, get the box, and you get the duos, so then you've got two flavors at once. Well, I buy the um, I buy the classic mix. Yeah. It's got, you know, the little pretzels in it and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. So, uh, that uh, uh, announced this morning. Uh, Magic lost last night to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Jamal Mosley, the Magic coach, was on with Mike Bianchi about 8.15 this morning. That interview should be up if it's not already up. up. 96ofthegame.com. Magic had 22 turnovers in last night's game. Uh, Jalen Suggs was awful. He was 1 of 10. He turned the ball over five times. Uh, Bull Bull had six turnovers last night. And there are certain times that, as good as he's been, that's a problem. Um, and as Jamal Mosley said this morning, you can't make those kind of mistakes. Uh, Charlotte didn't shoot lights out 48%. They were 7 of 35 from the three-point line. Um, the Magic were respectable 39% from the three-point line, but down early and trailed 58-45 with a half and uh, rallied a little bit in the fourth quarter. Jamal Mosley went to his bench, but uh, the Magic falls short um, against the Hornets last night losing 112-105. So, yeah. What else you got? Uh, got a busy week coming up, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, a, yeah. a haircut coming up. Uh, uh, for you, that's like a three-hour process. It it will be a lengthy process. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, I went to one of the uh, the the computer stores the other day. Yeah. Because I, I got a notification of an issue on my computer. One of those like pop-up boxes that basically said, if you don't act now, then China will take over your computer in an hour? No, not that one. I get that one regularly, but I've just learned to just mute that notification. It's the, my laptop telling me, hey, your battery needs to be serviced. Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I go there. Oh, why are you here? Well, the computer says... The battery needs to be serviced. Mm. All right, let's run some diagnostics. Why? The computer said what it needed. Well, you know, they got to take a look at it themselves. And then it's like... Like when you drop a car up and tell them what's wrong, you think the guy trusts you to know what's wrong? Like if you and I walked in mm-hmm. and said, hey, this is wrong with the car, you think we have to look like we know what we're talking but about? If the, but if... 
Okay, Mark, if the car, which are basically rolling computers now, yeah. you plug it in and it says this is what it is, yeah, then it's check that, it out. the computer said service the battery. Yeah, gotta check it out. And then it's like, why can't I just put in, when I schedule my appointment, this is it, and be like, all right, we're going to order the battery for you, too. Got to make sure you're right. The computer is more right than I am. Yeah. You know, it happens. <sighs> By the way, um, this happened on uh, Friday of last week. Dana White, the UFC president, you know, he has his own slap fighting league now. Yes, I do know that. Power Slap? Yeah! Power Slap will debut on TBS in January 23. Okay. Regulated, though, by the state of uh, Nevada. That's good. Strict rules and safety measures like mandatory mouth guards and earplugs. What, 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 what are we doing as a society? What, 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 what? What have we, what have we, what have we succumbed to? We got some, yeah. uh, we got some pent up. Uh, uh, wait, wait, are, are we that bored that it's like, hang on, let's just start slapping each other in the head? Well, would you, okay, so you prefer the pillow fighting championships instead? Oh, I know, we've done all these stories. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know. Or? I told you, I had a moment like this my junior year of college when people were literally going three doors down when I lived in Oxford Manor in Gainesville because they watched the feeding of the large snake. Mm. And I went there not to see it, but when someone said, you won't believe how many people are in the apartment, and I walked in and there were like 15 people, and I'm like, what is going on here? Fine, how about this? Can I raise you phone booth fights? I saw that video. Yeah. Yeah. What? Here's the thing, Mark. Here's the thing. I don't know what we've become. You don't have to watch. No, you don't. You know, you can watch axe throwing instead. I, I can accept that a little bit more than, get you axe than, throwing. Than, than slap fighting. I Although think, I'm, I, I admit I've watched. I think you'd like axe throwing. Uh, I'm not quite sure. You don't think you'd be good at it? I, I, nothing against those that that. It's that, fun. That, it's that, a lot I, of fun I, to that's do. Fine. That's 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 fine. Station outing, axe throwing. Big night for the Giants last night. Yeah, it was. Right back in the race in the NFC East with the Eagles losing to the Commanders last night. Mike and I were talking about the interesting call that pretty much sealed the game for Washington um, on the flag on the Eagles. And, I, again, as much as I like the outcome of the Giants, I, I understand the Eagles' complaint because Taylor Heineke does not drop back to take a knee and give himself up in the play. He actually tries to think about throwing the ball and then gives himself up, and I do think it's very difficult to ask players in that situation on defense, stop, they're racing to tackle him, to make a play on him, and then he just gets to drop a knee, and then stop. Remember, Scott, when you're playing games, freeze. Oh, you moved, right? Yeah, red light, red light, green light, yeah. Right, so it's like the same thing here. It's like he's back. Stop! Um, But by definition of the rule, that is the call. I, 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 I still think it's really hard to ask players to stop in a situation uh, like that. But Washington win. And now, by the way, they're back in a wild card mix here at 5-5. Five and five. Uh, so the greatest division in football, very much exciting and alive in the NFC uh, East. Matt Michelle is going to talk some college football at his weekly visit about 10.35. A number of topics to get to Matt. We've got the college football playoff rankings for this week coming out tonight. Um, also coming up 10 o'clock hour, if you follow to some degree uh, this 
FTX story of the crypto exchange. Scott's good friends with Sam Bankman Fried, so he knows him well. He's uh, on vacation right now. I can't reach him. <laughs> but the fallout on sports and, and, and all the sponsorships that FTX had jumped on and the big names that were all attached to it, um, what all that now happens or, or, or what happens all of that, uh, we'll get to that 10 o'clock hour and a whole bunch more on our program uh, today. Um, Thursday, a couple days from now, next UCF Night Talk with Gus Malzahn, a couple of night players at Island Wind Company by the campus of UCF. That'll be at 7. Don't forget, Saturday, a bounce house brunch. Yeah! 11 a.m. kick, UCF and Navy. Uh, our pregame coverage begins at 9. Okay, so Double Shot Tuesday, there's a songs that teams play following a win. And this is our hometown. This is what the Magic play. This is uh, B.O.B. and... Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. Ah. I like the song. Okay. 50857 on the text line on Double Shot Tuesday. Continuous Double Shot. Double Shots. Of classic rock. Two for Tuesday. This is Should Have Been a Cowboy by Toby Keith. Okay. The text in, my Osceola Cowboys play this. Oh, that's awesome. Right? That's Cowboys with a K. Exactly. Wow. That's great. Yeah. 50857 of the text line. These are songs that teams play after a win, which could be a high school team. Why why can't it be? Pro team, team, college team, minor league baseball team, uh, whatever. Pickleball team. 0857. Pickleball? Pickleball? All right. You know. You're going to start playing pickleball, pickleball, are you? Am I going to start? Yeah. Why? Oh. Why do you seem bothered by it? You don't like the wave? Does it bother you? Why does it bother you? That was like an old people thing. But it seems like it's, it's not. It's a growing sport in the world right now. Yeah, but so was spike ball two years ago. Well. So was Tag three years ago. So was Cornhole four years ago. Cornhole seems to be doing fairly well. We got, I mean, once you get the drama and the scandal, then you know you're big time. This is true. We had a good pickleball scandal. Oh, yeah. You know? Tampering, doping. Mm. Failed drug test kind of takes it next level. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Two NFL stories I want to get to. I sent Scott... This clip, we talked about it yesterday. I got into a shouting match with somebody with this clip. Why? I'm going to tell you in a second, okay? Um, This is an NFL quarterback that, would you say, before I I, I give this person's name, would you say that this player, I I don't think you could say underachieved. I, I, I think that's unfair. Would you say that this player, whose career record is 59-77, and 77, might be frustrated yes. with his career. Yes. In what is a ninth season as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Has it really been nine years? Nine years. Wow. And in his nine years, has played on two teams with a winning record. 
two teams with a winning record. All right? Mm-hmm. This is Derek Carr following Sunday's loss by the Raiders to the Colts. Okay, we're going to get to that side of the story again in a second. But uh, many of you have seen this clip. We talked about it yesterday or, or have heard it. This is one minute of what was a two-and-a-half-minute kind of montage of, of three questions asked to Derek Carr. But this is the last minute of th- this segment of his post-game press conference, and here's Derek Carr. Sorry for being emotional. I'm just pissed off about some of the things, you know, that a lot of us try and do just to practice what we put our bodies through just to sleep at night. And for that to be the result of all that effort pisses me off. Pisses a lot of guys off. It's hard knowing what some guys are doing. Like I said, just to practice what they're putting in their body just to sleep at night. Like just so we could be there for each other. And I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place. And as a leader, that pisses me off, if I'm being honest. Okay, first off, it sounds like a line from any given Sunday. It does, okay. yeah. Now, um, the visual, Scott, you see it, that, that, that's a grown mm-hmm. man shedding tears. Um, now, what's going on there? Quickly, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM, Orlando, WJR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, and the Beat of Sports. Okay. We're going to overanalyze this for a second. Okay? okay. So walk with me. Do you think Derek Carr is, in a way, calling out some players that perhaps after a loss like that in the locker room, Derek Carr looks around and maybe sees some guys like, eh, whatever, we lost and there's another game next week? Yes. Okay. So clearly, this is someone that, without calling names, is like, how can you guys just feel the way that you do? And. He's pretty emotional because then I think you have to put in the context of his career, okay? I don't... This is what led to the argument. (laughs) With somebody. Uh, The reaction was, oh, give me a break. You're a professional quarterback that makes tens of millions of dollars. Uh, Suck it up. And he's, he's acting. It's drama. It's all that stuff. And I said, wait a minute. You don't think he believes what he said there? And he's like, oh, you know, it's just after a game. Give me a break. He's an NFL quarterback and makes tens of millions of dollars. Look, the position allows one to make a lot of money. The physical sacrifice, that's real, man. Like, like that's you can't watch football and throw that part out. The person that goes below in a coal mine and understands the risk and for X amount in pay versus a quarterback, yeah, you could play this game of, well, one makes you know, $30, $40 million a year. The others are trying to put family, uh, you know, put food on the table for the family. But we're kind of doing the extreme here, okay? The person that goes below the ground 
the coal miner has risk where they don't know if they're going to come back every single day. The NFL quarterbacks certainly can suffer injuries that last a lifetime as well, but I, 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 I hate sometimes when we do that. Just because a guy makes a lot of money at a job doesn't mean, one, the physical battle. Like, what do you think Derek Carr means when he made those comments in there? I think he means that he's, called, like you said, calling out his teammates and kind of also realizing that he's getting beaten down a little bit by probably fan reactions, and that's getting to him. Right, but do you think he's just throwing out this stuff of like what we put in our bodies to get out there and play? No. I mean, he's not telling you anything that a fan shouldn't know. Mm-hmm. I think he's telling you is, look, you want to yell at me, yell at me, you want to blame me for this, it, it, but... but I mean, God, do you know what we do to go out there and play? So before you start screaming, yeah, but you're 2-7, and seven, which as a fan, that's what you typically do. I think what Derek Carr is saying is, look, I'm pissed off because this is the ninth year of my career. And there's something else that I think Derek Carr is ticked off about, okay? Do you think Derek Carr enjoyed playing for John Gruden? Uh, Probably. They were 10-7 and seven last year. Yeah. Now, Gruden gets fired, and they have an interim coach. But a coach that I think he thought he liked is gone. Another coaching change, a ninth year for him. His, he's not getting any younger. He's 31 years old, okay? And you do kind of wonder, I, how much more of this can I go through? Because at 2-7, and seven, he knows the season's over. Yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders aren't doing anything this year, so this is another year, which means for eight more games, he's physically going to go through what? Getting beat up and booed and all that stuff. But the part of, oh, it's it, it oh. He's a diva. It's drama, dude. That's that's real emotion, man. It is a it is a grind. We watch as fans, as I said many times. We watch as fans, and we understand how brutal and physical the game is. But for the most part, we watch to be entertained. We don't play and suffer the physical part of what the game can do to players. And then when you don't have success at it, it's almost like, hey, I'll make the sacrifice to win. But if I can't win, it hurts. It hurts more to go to practice on a weekly basis. It hurts to go to sleep at night. Well, then don't do it. You made all that money. That was the other argument I got into. Then he could quit. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean quit? Well, he made all this money. He could walk away and live happily ever after. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, the money is the reward for having a skill set to succeed at this level to make that kind of money. But to say, well, just quit and walk away, that's, come on, man. That's that's not something that someone that works hard to get one of the few spots, you know, there are only 32 starting quarterbacks. Yes, you have teams that don't have a solid number one, but you understand the point, and you just quit. I mean, some guys do, as Andrew Luck did, walk away. Um, but I don't laugh at that by Derek Carr. I think that there's genuine emotion in that. I think, you know, NFL players are human like us. They happen to do something that's really violent. And when you don't feel like you have a chance to succeed, that that, that is going to wear on you. Um, I, I, I still can't get over, by the way, as I was just listening to the typical Monday Shows you know we got on the show yesterday. I'm listening to Colin, and I was just watching some of the afternoon talking head shows, preparing for the UCF game, and then reading some stuff. And 
The Jeff Saturday thing, Scott, still fascinates me. Really? Why? Because I... This sense of he Is has the situation no, or the reaction? Both. Both. Okay. Both. And, and I don't know. Maybe it clearly doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. The Bill Cowher clip got a lot of viral play and people talking about that. Um, you know, on the Talking Head shows. And I think what what caught it up a notch or two was the fact that the Colts won. Because some of those critics were screaming when he got hired, like, well, this is going to be dumb. And if they lose the Raiders by three touchdowns, you can go, okay, this is embarrassing. And then they win. And then it seems like that group felt like, well, I have to get even more angry right now. So I need to yell louder uh, about this and how it's unfair. And, uh, you know, he's taking jobs away, people, this, 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 and this. And I, I'm still surprised by some of the reaction for this because you know what caught me yesterday which i found interesting the number of people that said he should have turned it down what like well the right thing to do to respect the process and system is he should have told Ursay, hey thanks but i'm not qualified for this you should hire blank why should jeff saturday turn that because he's not qualified for it I jokingly said to somebody yesterday, how do you know your doctor wasn't last in his medical class? Exactly. I go, how do you know? What do you mean? Well, somebody's last. He goes, yeah, but they're really smart. Right. So Jeff Saturday's not smart playing 16 years of national football. Yeah, but coaching. Like, again, don't insult the career of the person that, you know, went 16 years and well respect. Yeah, but he didn't earn the stripes. He didn't do it. He didn't go all the way through the way that it uh, should be. Go back and look at some guys that went on to become great coaches. Yes, he did serve as an assistant for a couple of years. John Madden? John Madden was 32 when Al Davis hired him. Go look at Al Davis. Al Davis was an assistant coach for a couple of years and then became a head coach. Um, But there are a number of guys that are in the right place at the right time. And... I don't have any rooting interest in the Colts, but there is a small part of me that wants to see Saturday win a few more games just because of how irate some people are uh, over this. And I honestly, I don't, I well, were we working together yet? Or maybe it happened just afterwards or, 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 or before. I don't remember what the public reaction was when Steve Kerr got the job. Kerr was... TNT's main color analyst, and what did Steve Kerr do? He was the guy that when he played, people said, hey, he's going to go on to be a really good coach. (laughs) And I guess what? The people didn't assume that would be the case for Jeff Saturday. And, yeah, Steve Kerr is an easy one to fall back on because he took that route from TV, and look what happened there. Was there, like, a massive outcry? Like, how could you hire Steve Kerr? Mm -hmm. It's an insult. And, well, I mean, do it recently. When, when, When Steve Nash got hired... If that we went through that, like oh, you know, you're denying so and so has been an assistant for all these years, and mm-hmm. it's happened before. It'll happen again. But yeah, I mean, not just the coward thing. There's still so many people so offended by what the Colts uh, did, and you know, maybe they'll lose the next four games, and those people will have their fuel to add to the fire, but. 
Man, that was an interesting one to follow uh, yesterday as well. Um, Matt Michelle, about 25 minutes on college football, his weekly visit. When we come back, you may know about, have read about, have kind of heard something about FTX, which is a crypto exchange and a token um, that puts so much money into sports sponsorships. And people go, oh, they got plenty of money. They put the name on the arena, Miami, the, 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 the umpire's shirts, and all these other deals. And then they file bankruptcy. The crypto market and sports grabbed each other to the tune of billions in the last month. Is this a sign of what's to come after the FTX collab? That story more coming up. Double Shot Tuesday continues. Flo Rida? Who yeah. plays this? You won't believe who plays this. The Miami Marlins. Well, doesn't play that often, so. But it's like, not Mr. 305? Yeah, does he know that? <laughs> wow. Double Shot Tuesday continues. These are songs that teams play after a win. It's a Double Shot Tuesday. song has uh, made a number of appearances on Double Shot Tuesday. It has. Which I wish we were keeping a catalog on. <laughs> uh, okay, so ACDC Thunderstruck, who plays this after a win? You don't have any guesses? Can I, you want a hint? This state. The Tampa Lightning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, alright. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Double Shot Tuesday. These are songs that teams play after a uh, victory. 50857 on the text line. It was impossible to watch the Super Bowl and not see all of the commercials about cryptocurrency. And many people had no idea what they were watching. And the crowd that was into crypto loved it because you didn't know what was going on. And they were cool. And the crypto bros were all becoming billionaires. And there was a company called FTX that maybe still didn't have an idea. Larry David had that commercial during the Super Bowl. Um, and it's like, eh, don't think it'll work. And wow, the irony of it. Uh, FTX uh, is a crypto exchange, was, uh, with a token that now is worthless. Sam Bankman-Fried was the darling of the crypto world to many and now is famous for what has been this incredible collapse. But they went heavy into sports. They sponsored a lot of things. The arena in Miami um, on the umpire's jerseys or shirts, you saw uh, their patch. And now what happens? Evan Ovi Williams is our good friend that we turn to for a number of sports business stories and find his work at uh, Sportico. And he's done a little bit of a deeper dive uh, on this and is kind uh, to uh, join us. Uh, good morning. Welcome back. How are you? Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm doing well. As I said, if you go back to the Super Bowl, it was impossible to avoid what was this avalanche of FTX and famous people connected. So before we get to the collapse, take me back to when their name began to emerge as a player in sports, and how quick were they to kind of spread their dollars and go, we're in, and people bought it? I, I have drawn a parallel here, not not in, in the result, but but back at that time between sports betting and the crypto exchanges. They, they were both two industries that were flush with a lot of money, a lot of money from investors, and they were all in a rush for market share. They wanted the average Joe to be betting on sports in the same way that they wanted the average Joe to be to be buying up crypto. And when you have a confluence of those two things, a lot of money to spend and a very quick need to get as many customers as possible, uh, sports becomes a very, very uh, interesting, uh, alluring advertising opportunity. 
And the Super Bowl, 100 million people watch it. It's the most watched television event in the U.S. of the year every year uh, is a perfect example of that. Sports gives a tech savvy uh, group of people who are who are fanatic and really believe in, in new things, want to make money, all those things. It's, it's a really alluring subset of the American population for for industries like this. So it's not a coincidence that, that we saw so many sports betting and also cryptocurrency ads and, and crypto exchange ads during the Super Bowl. It's just uh, w- when you need to get customers very quickly, sports becomes a, a way to do that. Maybe .com taught us that. Maybe this was different in some ways. But let's get to FTX. How big and how aggressive were they early? I think some people know the name, like I said, Miami Arena, the patch on the umpires, but they were far deeper. Just how far did they go? What are some other uh, partnerships that they had? Yeah, they were ex- extremely aggressive, and you mentioned some of the big ones. Obviously, the um, the, the, the the Miami deal. They were the the, the Cal Stadium as well. Uh, Major League Baseball. There were some celebrity investors. Tom Brady was in ads. Steph Curry was in ads. Naomi Osaka invested. Uh, I believe they were a partner with the Golden State Warriors. They, they did a lot in esports. They had a, a multi hundred million dollar deal with Team Solo Mid, which is one of the most valuable esports teams in the country, they went uh, big. And and Crypto.com is a, a competitor, or was a competitor, maybe is the best way to say that. Um, but but they also went big. They're, they're the name on the on the Lakers arena and the Clippers arena uh, and, and, and a few other big deals, UFC, for example. So it wasn't just FTX. There were a number of crypto platforms and crypto lenders that rushed very quickly into the space. Again, I think because it... They wanted sports fans to be customers, and also, and we can get into how these deals happen, but once you get one deal in, in a high-profile industry, uh, it becomes easier to pass the due diligence for all the other deals because people can look at that first deal and say, oh, they're on an NBA arena? Well, that's good enough for me. Yeah, I'm happy to take this company's money. So in some ways, you also get a, you get a patina of legitimacy just by breaking into the sports industry in a big way. Yeah, expand on kind of what you just said. Because under the Miami deal, I think you uh, had written and tweeted, they gave, what, like $20 million up front? It's like, oh, wow, this is great. And then Sam Bankman-Fried was like, oh, this is not a problem with us. We got, I mean, we could stop tomorrow and, and have a problem to pay the deal, which we now know was a scam. But was that their typical deal? And I'm also curious if some of the names, like in Hollywood, been some reports about what Tom and Giselle may have lost. I don't know if it was any of their actual money. So first, what were the typical structures of the FTX deals? And then the backside is some of the famous names. Have they lost significant money, or were they given tokens that are now worthless? Yeah, so so the first part, the I, I got my hands on the Miami-Dade County FTX naming rights agreement, uh, and you mentioned it right there. It was, it was front-loaded for $14 million immediately when the deal was signed, which FTX did pay. And then they actually made it into the start of year two. So there was another five and a half million dollar uh, check that did come. So, so Miami Dade County got nineteen and a half million dollars for what amounted to 18 months of naming rights to that stadium. Um, that is above market value. I, I think if they and when they hit the market again, then they're not going to be getting ten million dollars a year for that. Right. So, so they structured that in a way that, that obviously bore in mind that this is a volatile industry and FTX, I think you could easily say is, is maybe less likely to see through the end of that deal than a company like AT&T or a company like Ford would. So it, it's embarrassing for, for Miami-Dade County, for sure. And you don't want to have to hit the market selling your, your rights again two years after you did it up front. But I think financially, 
Uh, if they end up getting $20 million for an 18-month naming rights deal, that's not a horrible result uh, for, for the stadium. To your question about Tom Brady and, and, and Steph Curry and them, the way I understand it, and this is fairly common for athletes, when you're an endorser of a, of a company that is small like that, very often you're, you're, you're given an option. We'll, we'll pay you to be in this commercial or we'll give you equity to be in this commercial. Um, and athletes nowadays are increasingly too because they understand that, that, that if FTX takes off, which it looked like it was doing for a while, uh, that that's a huge payday as opposed to whatever the, the cash option was going to be up front. And, and I believe that that is what, what Steph and Tom Brady did. That equity is now worth zero dollars. I would be shocked if either of them see, see a penny uh, of what that was going to be or what that was worth even, even two or three weeks ago. But I think that's fairly common. For if you're an athlete of that stature and you're kind of consistently doing deals, especially with young companies, I think it is probably the smart decision to, to, to decide to take a big chunk of what they owe you in equity as opposed to cash, because then you share in the upside, obviously. And, and unfortunately, in this case, you also share in the downside. Where's this industry at? Crypto.com's name is on the arena in Los Angeles, one of the more visible arenas. And I'm sure a number of leagues and teams are taking a step back to kind of analyze where it's at. I think at some point, crypto will find whatever it is, and there may be much fewer players left. But where's the status of a lot of these sports sponsorships? And is there great concern by leagues and teams in the wake of FTX? I think that's a great question, and the easy answer is we're not sure. Yes, if you're a, if you are AEG, which has the Crypto.com partnership, you are way more nervous about that partnership now than you were if you had asked a, a week ago. I think in the crypto world, there, there's a big concern that, um, th- that that maybe the emperor's lost his clothes to a degree. That that there people, average people, are going to be way less interested in investing in crypto now than, than they were before FTX's collapse. I think this is this is a black eye on the entire industry. And to the extent that, that, that the average American is less interested in that, yes, I think that is that is probably bad for every platform in the space, including Crypto.com. So it seems as though we're going to find out more, I'm sure. It seems as though there was a lot of fraud happening at FTX, which is probably, knock on wood, not happening at, at other companies. So, so there's obviously a difference there. But I do think that we're, we probably saw a, a dramatic cooling of the crypto market um, that's going to last for a long time. And I do think that that means teams are going to be a little bit more wary. But as I say that, Manchester United just launched its own uh, its, its own crypto partner yesterday, right? So we're right in the middle of this storm. One of the biggest, most valuable clubs in the world uh, decided it did want to weigh in with uh, by increasing its relationship with its partner. So in some ways, the sports teams love money, just like any other industry. And and as long as, as as the platforms and the partners out there are willing to spend it, I do think to a degree you'll you'll keep seeing deals like this happening in sports. Yeah, maybe they'll give away more NFTs and that value. But let me end with this: um, uh, uh, unrelated, but maybe to some degree it is. This this industry is flooding the market with a lot of dollars and sponsorships, and the public seems to be responding to an extent. But I'm kind of curious on the sports gambling side is there a bubble soon to pop in the amount of dollars that they've put out even though there is a number of states like florida that still not resolved their sports gambling issue but is there a slowing of dollars being invested by the sports gambling companies i think there's probably going to be a slowing of some sort i think the thing you're going to see first is a lot of companies either going out of business or being acquired in new jersey where i'm from there's 
I can't remember the final number. There's there's 35 plus operators <laughs> that, that are doing business right. in, in New Jersey. And uh, only three of them have a sizable market share. And then there's a probably a handful, a tier of another maybe 10 that have, you know, single digit or, or, or low double digit market share. And there's really not that much uh, but beyond that lower tier. So we saw this week or, or a couple of weeks ago, Fubo Gaming, Fubo TV, Sportsbook, they shuttered that division. I think we're going to see a, a number of the smaller second or third tier operators just deciding they don't want to play. It's, it's too expensive. They're not getting enough bang for the buck. They don't want to play in that sandbox anymore. And when that happens, I do think there's going to be some consolidation. Does that mean that FanDuel and DraftKings start spending less? I'm not convinced that that's true. I think that, uh, again, as, as states like California and Texas and Florida sit on the sidelines for now, there, there is a lot of money that those companies are still expecting and, and going to be willing to spend. But if I was a, a team that had a partnership with a, a much smaller operator, I would definitely be, be a little bit nervous about whether that operator was going to still be in business in, in four years, depending on how long the deal is. The Fubo relationships, the Jets, for example, are taking Fubo to court to try to figure out how much Fubo actually owes them on their contract. I think there's going to be some legal battles we see from from teams that took money from sports books and then are trying to recoup a bunch of that money once uh, w- once those companies are no longer in business. MNOV Williams, he's on a Twitter at uh, NOVY underscore Williams. Uh, Sportico does a great job covering sports business, and uh, he's done great work on this story. Evan, good catch it up as always. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Scott, of course, is deep into Doge, and I've always been. You know, when you hear about the dip, Scott is all in. You gotta buy the dip. That's the thing. Bun's in the bun. <laughs> it's always in the bun. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, Bitcoin's up a little bit there this morning. So Scott would say, jump now, right? Still under seventeen. It's time to time to buy. Yeah. Stay off that Solana. Uh, this came from a special friend, uh, Frank. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Frank Agavix, <laughs> Weird Al's dad. Uh, this is there ain't no beer in heaven. And as I was told. For Iowa football fans, this is kind of an unofficial, official celebration song when they win. Like the it's like their tailgaters <laughs> play this. So crank this up. Let me hear this a little bit now. This sounds like it should be played at Epcot. Yeah. Wow. Hold on. 50857 on the text line. These are songs that teams play following a win. I'm having fun. Matt Michelle next. Two for Tuesday. Hold on. Someone uses Paradise City as a wing song? Yeah. Do you want to know who it is? Yes. The Los Angeles Angels. All right. I can see that. (laughs) I kind of respect it. Wow. You, you, You just in... Seconds yeah. flip your opinion. Yeah. Uh, double shot Tuesday. These are songs that teams play after uh, victory. Let's get to Matt Michelle. Let's check out the latest in college football with the Orlando Sentinels, Matt Michelle. Catch Matt on Twitter at OS Matt Michelle. All right, let's talk some college football. Matt Michelle is the uh, college uh, football writer for the Orlando Sentinel and uh, joins us on these Tuesdays at this time. We always look forward to that. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning? Doing good. Let's recap a little bit of last week before we get into the news and what's happening uh, this week. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, uh, UCF's win, 
John Rice Plumley getting the start, the way he performed, and uh, how that game went for the Knights. Yeah, you know, I think the, you saw what they were able to do uh, right off of the start. I think the biggest question going into the game was going to be who's going to play quarterback. And obviously, Gus, uh, going back to John Rice Plumley, feeling like he was able to, to do some things that maybe Tulane wasn't expecting. or and, and, and we saw that on the field. You know, we saw they were able to run for over 176 yards. Um, really kind of just, you know, tore through Tulane's defense. And that was supposed to be the strength of this Tulane team a little bit was their defense. And, you know, I think it, it was an impressive feat to see them, uh, to see UCF come out and run the ball the way they did. And then defensively early on, they were able to kind of keep them down until late. Um, a, a big win for, for UCF and, and really they control their own, you know, they control kind of the path to the, to the American Athletic Conference title game. You know, they've got Navy this week and, and then, you know, USF. So, they can now, as long as they take care of business, they can sit back and see what happens between Tulane and Cincinnati in that final regular season game. Matt, what were your thoughts? Twitter chatter about who's going to start at quarterback and who should start at quarterback. And I said, full disclosure, I learned Friday afternoon after we got to New Orleans, out of respect, I'm not releasing that, but um, Gus Malzahn said what he said, that he didn't believe a, a player should lose over an injury. But, you know, there was a ton of social media buzz about Mikey Keene and you know, it, it works out. Gus was right, but what'd you make of the guessing? And 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 ultimately, he chose JRP. Well, I think if you're a coach, you you, you go in and you you kind of figure out which which quarterback is going to give you you know the best opportunity to win. And you know, I, I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be Mikey Keene, and maybe in Gus's mind, and a little bit of you know using that that you know that coaching mentality. You know, you, you expect Tulane maybe to, to anticipate it's going to be Mikey Keene, and maybe they, they practice for that. Um, so, you know, it makes sense that maybe you go with John Rice. If, you know, he is your starter. Um, again, I know it's, it's not unfair to bench a guy just coming off an injury. Um, and if he felt, I guess, felt like this was the guy that was going to help you win, and, and we obviously was able to do that. So I, I think it pays off. Um, but, you know, it, it's really hard when you got a player who comes in and it's Played as well as, as Mikey did in those couple games, you know, and in, in, in the kind of a backup role, um, and, and you want to still give him the opportunities. But in the end, it comes down to what best for your team and what best is going to get you the win. I think Mikey would have taken the win no matter what, whether he was going to play or not. So um, I, I think it was good for Gus, and, and I know he took a lot of heat for it on, on social media. But in the very end, you know, she shuts off his critics when they come out and, and play as well as they did. Let me take you around the state. Um, it is now possible that Mike Norbell's team can win 10 games and maybe should be expected to win 10. And, you know, I've talked the last couple of years about, you know, he inherits a team during COVID, can't really recruit, fights the fan criticism, and, uh, you know, 4-0 start top 25, then lost three, and now it seems to have it going. I know you wrote a, a piece about, hey, look, happy but not yet satisfied. But what's impressed you the most about Mike Norvell? Then I'll get to the team, but about how he's handled all this. Well, you know, I think he's never let the, the, what's happened on the field really get to him, change his demeanor. You know, I mean, even when they were going through their tough times in 2020 and, and, and 2021, you know, this is a guy who who is passionate about wanting to get this, this program back to where it used to be under guys like Bobby Bowden. You know, and I, I think, you know, he's passionate about his players, and he knows that as long as they continue to do the things that, that he feels they can do, which is, you know, not turn the ball over. You know, the offense is going to be eventually is going to get there. The defense is going to play better. As long as they continue to do things that they have success with, he felt like they were going to get there. And, you know, you're starting to see that pay off. You're, you're seeing that over the last three games. Um, you know, this has been, um, this is how we kind of expected 
Florida State to play when, when Mike Norell got there. Their offenses looked really great. You know, they're averaging 34 points a game. Last time they did that was in 2016. Um, their defense has been outstanding. Um, I, I wrote about this today. During their current three-game win stretch, they've forced 17 punts on three and out. Um, against, you know, Georgia Tech, Miami, and Syracuse. And, and, and that's unbelievable. The defense has just been outstanding for them. They've only given up 22 points um, in those three games. So, you know, these are all things that Mike Norville has been preaching about that, that was, was going to take time, was going to get there. Everyone bought into it. And there is, believe me, a lot of outside noise that he's going to dealt with, you know, not just from the Florida State fans, but people who wanted – Maybe thought he wasn't the right guy. Maybe they wanted to see someone else come in there. You've heard Deion Sanders' name always gets thrown out there. Um, so he's kind of put that outside noise away and been able to handle this. And, and right now, like you said, they, they have an opportunity to win 10 games. And I, I think that would be unbelievable. Above expectations, I thought, for this team going in there. I thought maybe seven or eight would be, would be the, their, their ceiling. But to get to that point would probably be show everyone that, that he's really got this program on the right track. Ascension would be huge for them, and maybe it's developing for Billy Napier because Florida has a chance. Again, they're six and four. Maybe they end up going eight and five if we count a bowl game. Uh, you know, maybe a loss at, at Florida State. But all of a sudden, Billy Napier looks like maybe that top ten recruiting class is going to happen, and feeling as if, hey, we're in the right direction. Anthony Richardson, maybe a decision about him. I don't think he's ready to be an an NFL quarterback yet, but who knows. But they destroyed South Carolina and kind of looked the part as we head towards the end of the season. What do you make of uh, Florida last couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. You know, I think much like what Florida State has done, you know, they're they're starting to, to get into their, their rhythm. You know, I think you're seeing, I think, Anthony Richardson really kind of getting more comfortable in that quarterback role. You know, over the last, you know, three games, um, you know, he's, he's – or last six games, excuse me, he's had nine touchdowns and two interceptions. So, you know, he's starting to not feel like, you know, he's pressing so much. You know, the offense is starting to really kind of gel under him. He understands what his role is going to be. Um, they're running the football much better. Defensively, that was their best defensive performance, obviously, holding South Carolina to 237 yards this weekend. If they play like that, I think they have an opportunity to, to get to eight wins. And I think it's, it's, it would be a huge step for, for Billy Napier. Listen, I, I, I don't care what bowl game they go to. I, I think for him it's just about, listen, we want to continue to show progress going into the offseason because it's a very important offseason because, again, they've got a, a, a top – you know, recruiting class are coming in with a top 10, top 12 recruiting class are coming in with. He still needs to, to, to get some other kids to commit and sign and do that early signing period. If he can do that, then next season, you know, then you can maybe see that, that development that he's been talking about this year. These, these first years for coaches uh, in these places are always difficult because, again, you're trying to get your system in place, you're trying to get your guy in place. And you're trying to kind of get everyone to buy into what you're doing. It takes a little bit of time, and I think you're starting to see that work now. Let me, uh, Scott, put uh, Matt on hold his phone. I need to try to call him back. Um, uh, So we'll see if we can get Matt uh, back with a better line. I'm going to shift when Matt gets back with us and get to the Miami Hurricanes, where I think there's something really interesting maybe developing uh, for the Canes, who who, who snapped their losing streak, beat Georgia Tech. uh, And Ja'Curry Brown started at quarterback, uh, the true freshman. Um, I don't know if that's the future. Matt's back here. So, Matt, Miami starts to Curry Brown. Uh, Mara Cristobal said it because of his mobility. One, um, is it the end for Tyler Van Dyke, a guy that was one of the best quarterbacks in the country at the end of the season last year? 
Um, is he perhaps portal bound? They lost Jaden Rashada, who then decommitted and decided to go to Florida. And all of a sudden, the depth at Miami's not the same. And while Curry Brown may be the answer, he's a six four freshman. But what do you make of what's happened at UM when it comes to quarterbacks? Yeah, that's, it's interesting because you know Mario really had a, a really good deep stable of quarterbacks, and now all of a sudden you're looking around wondering what's going to happen. I think. You know, that's going to be the big off-season question. And obviously with the transfer portal, it's something that Mario, every coach has to deal with. Is You know, is, is Tyler Van Dyke going to be happy? Is he going to come in here and say, listen, am I going to be the guy? You'd hate to see this guy lose his starting opportunity. Again, much as we talked about with UCF, just because he got hurt. He's been hurt the last two or three games. He tried to play against Florida State. Obviously, he wasn't able to do that. Um, but Ja'Curry Brown wants to get his opportunity. If he, if he feels like he's playing better, especially over the next couple of weeks, you know, he wants to be able to kind of get a guarantee going in there. So I think for Mario, this is going to be an interesting offseason. How does he kind of keep everyone, you know, stable? And, 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 you know, obviously they lost a little bit on the recruiting trail. Um, this is where, you know, Mario, you start really starting juggling things because you really got to find a way to keep everyone happy, not only on your roster, but also in your recruiting class, especially as you continue to lose games. It was a big win this weekend against Georgia Tech. Don't get me wrong. If they could get to six wins, and somehow get to a bowl game, I think, that, again, that would be a huge for Mario. It can help with some of these kind of issues that you're dealing with. I'm going to ask you about the college football playoff rankings in a moment, but uh, I, I shot you this email, and I say, and, and if there's other names, go ahead. Brian Kelly, uh, people want him fired after the opening game against Florida State. They may end up going 10-2. and two. They are in the SEC championship game. They'll be a big underdog against Georgia. You can make a case that he is the coach of the year from where things started. Uh, Jim Mora, Jr has UConn bowl eligible after beating Liberty, who many wondered why they weren't ranked in the college football playoff rankings. I would maintain anybody that can become bowl eligible at UConn should be the coach of the year. So if you had a vote today, who would get it? Oh, man, that's a great question. Because, again, um, you know, the job that Brian Kelly's done with, with, with them, I like, I'm with you. I mean, Jim Moore, you think, would do it. Um, I, I I could throw Josh Heupel's name in there. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, sure. Heupel's done an amazing job at Tennessee early on. And even Sonny Dykes at TCU. Sure. I don't think anyone thought TCU would be a playoff. Seventh in the Big know? 12 poll. Seventh. Yes, yeah. I know. Seventh. So, so if you're asking me right just at this moment, I'm, I'm going to go Sonny Dykes. Okay. I, mean, I, I just don't think that TCU was anywhere near going to be in that position. And now you've got them ranked in the, in the top four of the playoff. Um, but it's, it's such an interesting year for that because – there have been some great coaching stories. I mean, like I mentioned, Brian Kelly, Jim Mora, you know, uh, Dykes, you know, Hypo. Um, you know, you've got guys who've maybe found a way to, to, to get their teams in this kind of position. You can make the argument, you know, at, at some point, if they get to 10 wins, you know, that Mike Norvell could be, you know, I mean, based on what I know they lost three games, but I mean, you know, based on what this program's been at. So, um, I, I listen, I think Jim Mora has done an amazing job with considering when you look at what, UConn was how they basically given up on this idea of having this football program, so to speak, and to come back from where they were. They didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. Um, to be where they're at now, it, it, it's almost miraculous, and, and, and it's a good job by them on what they've done. All right, walk with me on this, because I tried to explain this to Mike Bianchi this morning, and even though we'll get college football playoff rankings, and by the way, tonight's one of those nights, it's between the two basketball games at Madison Square Garden, so you won't get it till about 9.15, the playoff rankings tonight, not 7 o'clock. Everybody, uh, uh, I think, would agree Georgia should be the number one team in the country tonight, correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, walk me through this because many college football people, particularly those that are part of the SEC propaganda machine, would tell you that if Georgia beats Kentucky and Georgia Tech, doesn't matter what they do in the SEC championship game, they'll make the playoffs. But follow me for a second. 
Ohio State, Michigan winner wins the Big Ten championship at thirteen and zero. They're in, correct? Yes. If TCU wins out and they're thirteen and zero, are they in? Yeah, they should be. Yes. Okay. Now, okay. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Okay. Now, just walk with me. Tennessee has no thirteenth game here. Uh, Tennessee is at nine and one. Two remaining games of the Vols should win at South Carolina and Vanderbilt. They would be eleven and one, but not playing in the SEC title game. LSU is eight and two. They have remaining football games left uh, against UAB and Texas A&M, and then play Georgia. If LSU, who would be a double-digit underdog against Georgia, if they were to beat Georgia by 10 or more points, and it looks like, hey, LSU was a better football team that day, and I'm not done yet, USC, who's sitting 7th in the voting polls right now, ends the season by beating UCLA, who's 12th right now, Notre Dame, who's 20th, and then maybe an Oregon, who's ranked in a Pac-12 title game, would have three straight ranked opponents in which they won. Is Georgia still a lock to get in versus an LSU team that won the SEC, a USC team that would have three top 25 wins in a row, and a Georgia team who I know is the defending national champions, but their big win would be against Tennessee and nobody else? I would say not. Right? Yeah, sure. got him to admit it. <laughs> because, because I'm not, 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 I mean, this is, I've been talking about this for, for days. Yeah. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee has said, ever since they created this thing in 2014, conference championships matter. Okay? So if USC, is, and look at their schedule, as you just pointed out, they got three ranked teams they're probably going to face, and they win all those games, and they win a conference championship. How do you not put them in the top four? You know what I mean? And and and, and over and, and you put you but you put in a Georgia team that is not the conference champion, lost by ten in let's say in their in, a, in the SEC championship, and has one loss. I know Georgia fans will tear down the wall if right. it happens, but I'm telling you, it's 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 just if you keep US a USC team out of that mix because you know you want to put that Georgia, then you're really going to get screamed for the idea of bias, SEC bias. And 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 you're right. Georgia's schedule hasn't been as strong as it could be. You know, I mean, I'm sure the, the Oregon loss hurts them a little bit, obviously. And if Oregon loses to USC in the title game, that hurts them even more. So, in my mind, I think you got to put USC in over Georgia, and 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 that's just and, and even over Tennessee, because again, Tennessee's remaining schedule is nothing. So, it's it's hard for me to imagine. If everything plays out that way, it's hard for me to imagine that happening. Because I think the selection committee has said, listen, conference championships matter. And if that's not the case, then you put the Georgia team in above them. I, I just I don't know how that can be, how you can justify that. Particularly because you're saying the Pac-12 has been really strong this year. Right. And again, I'm not anti-Georgia. I think Georgia uh, is going to beat LSU. I'm just saying that those that think there's no way, I, I'm giving you a scenario that it could make it difficult to justify their schedule versus others. And that's the beauty of why we've got three more great weeks uh, to play. Matt, as always, we appreciate it. He's on Twitter at OS Matt Michelle, And uh, follow him for all the latest college football news. Thank you, Matt. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Uh, 11 o'clock hour kicks off with Scott and the News next. Double Shot Tuesday here. Trick Daddy here, and, and who who plays this? Uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I got to play that a little bit more this year. This is true. Wow. The Game FM. HD online at 969thegame.com on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos, an iHeartRadio station. 
two for Tuesday, double shot Tuesday. Can only be the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. That's correct. Do they still play this? I don't know. Oh. I guess we never really specified. We did not. I mean, this, this counts, though. Oh, I love this song. Didn't it? This would be uh, Sister Sledge. Hit it, girl. I didn't hit the post. Hold on. Let me guess. And here's Sister Sledge on the beat of sports. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM, Alina, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader. Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. Shout out to Elixir bringing us some tacos today on Tuesday. Uh, Elixir in downtown Orlando near the corner of Orange Avenue in Washington. Uh, where you can catch uh, World Cup 2022 action, watch all the games, and enjoy uh, some great food. $3.50 St. Karuna's in $4 tequila shots. So, what do you got? Them, what, I, what I got? I got I got some shrimp tacos is what I got. Nice. What do you got? Uh, some mahi tacos. Nice. Uh, by the way, shout out to my news heads. Got a news head checking in from Avril... Uh, Park, New York, Mark. Huh? Yeah. What? Uh, Newshead checking in from New York. Need your help or just listening? I feel your pain. I had to bring my laptop in for the exact same thing. Go there, wait in line. They go, yep, you need a new battery. We'll have to send your computer off. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yes! Okay, for those joining late, Scott was complaining earlier because he took his computer to a place that you would take your computer to be serviced. Mm-hmm. You, you went in, did you fill something out online that said, my computer told me my battery needs to be serviced? Yes. So you went in. Yes. And you just thought that they would believe you and not take a look and do a diagnostic test of your computer. The computer! computer is the one that told me. Okay, but what is the big deal if someone says we want to take a look? And by the way, how long did they take a look at your computer before concluding that it needed its battery service? I was in and out of the store in seven minutes. So then what are you complaining about? <laughs> I'm complaining about the fact... I think they said leave it here for a week. I'm complaining about the this fact... This sounds even more pathetic now that you said seven minutes. Just... I'm going to recommend the next time, lie and tell me four hours. Don't tell the truth in an example like that. No, my complaint is... I would say the guy's had it for a year. Just have the battery ready to replace it then. Do they have the battery? No! How long? Three to five days. Yeah, that's not good. And then... Wait a minute, wait, wait. Tell me, Mayor, where did you go? Yeah, they don't carry product like that anymore. They used to. But it's like, that's that's my problem. And then when they go... yeah. Yeah, then it'll be like a couple days to install it. Was it a guy that just looked like he would work at a place like that? No. No? No, she was very helpful. What yeah. color shirt was it uh, that day? Red. Red? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are the ropes up like a Disney ride waiting to get through? No, so the thing did is... Did you make an appointment? I did make it. Of course I made an appointment. Was it on time? So here's the, the, here's the thing. So I made a, a noon appointment... Yeah, and apparently the mall doesn't open until noon, so I'm getting there like eleven forty. Oh, they don't know. Oh, 
I so it, it was very eerie walking in, and all the stores are still closed. Mall walkers. Yes. But the, I walk up, and there's a sea of people in front of the store. And there's two different lines. And one line, I will give them credit, one line is for sales, and the other side is for tech support. The problem is, each line is like 30 deep. Yeah. So I get in the tech support line, and and then I'm you know waiting in line, and I'm like, I made an appointment for noon. Like, what's the point of making an appointment for noon if you don't even open the store until noon? Did everybody else have a noon appointment? None of the other people had appointments except me. So when did you get... So Assistant. I got in, I, you know, check in with the guy and he goes, all right, go sit on one of the baskets inside into the back and then we'll call your name. I didn't even you sit on one of the baskets. What are you, a science experiment here? I don't, they're not really baskets. Okay. They're these like wooden blocks. Uh, so like <laughs> before I could even sit down, they called my name. So I'm like, I, like I said, it was a, the fastest experience I ever had. It's Did you just, jump up and like, bingo? I didn't even sit. I didn't have time to sit. Okay. I was still walking. I was even halfway point of the store. So you going back to pick it up? I got to go back when they tell me the 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 battery's in. Mm. I can't just go there every day. Hey, is it in yet? But then you got to go back and wait in line again. Yes. <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, if I'm not going to have this for like three days, I got to time that. Uh, like, uh, I got to time that right. Yeah. I kind of need this thing on a daily basis. <laughs> okay. Anyways, can we get to the news now? You're the one that took us on a tangent, pal. <laughs> I just want to shout out one of my news heads. That's all I wanted to do. Okay. Next time you go to Radio Shack looking for batteries, make it quick. Told you the last time I went to a Radio Shack, I felt like that guy hadn't seen a human in like three months. The Washington Commanders turned methodical drives into scores and took advantage of the turnover-prone Philadelphia Eagles, stunning them to a 32-21 victory on Monday night and sending them to their first loss in nine games this season. Behind Jalen Hurts, the Eagles were the last team in the NFL to that could make a run at Miami's 17-0 mark in 1972 in the lone perfect season, but they found their first defeat. On Monday Night Football to the Commanders. Big night for the Giants, now within a game of the Eagles. It's on. Who doesn't like Tyler Heineke, though? Who doesn't like? like Carson so, Wentz? Yeah, but Heineke's <laughs> so much fun to watch. Like He's the new version of Gardner Menchu, right? Yeah, it's just guys like that have a ceiling that they're not going to lead you to a championship. No! But you're entertained watching them play. And he just seems like he's having fun. Screw the commanders. we got a division race to win. LaMelo Ball had 17 points and 9 assists, and the Hornets snapped an 8-game losing streak. You know what I want? And again, separate. There's a, uh, uh, the, the Ron Rivera video last night very emotionally talked about you know his mom passing, and, and she would have been proud of him and their team last night so i mean that's, that's very touching but you know the nfl and all these teams put out the locker room videos right scott you know after the the big win i'd like team to start putting it out when they lose by three touchdowns like i want that coach's speech to be posted you know mm-hmm. don't give me the emotion of like yeah we did it together be like that was pathetic you guys are embarrassing <laughs> i want that video just lay into them. Yes. Yeah, if you're going to put out the good stuff, then just be balanced. You know, when you lose 42-10, let me hear what the coach has to say in the locker room then. Done. Yes. In a 112-105 victory over the Orlando Magic, Charlotte had seven players in double figures, including its starting lineup. Mason Plumley. I was talking to you last Which Plumley? 
Mason, oh. had 18 and 10. I didn't know there were still Plumleys in the NBA. But there's like nine that are only like two guys that just keep moving to different teams. Yes. Franz Wagner had 23 points, and Wendell Carter Jr. added 20 for Orlando. But the Magic had 22 turnovers. Snapping an eight-game Charlotte losing streak. Uh, how about this one? James Wiseman will go down to the Golden State Warriors G League affiliate, the Santa Cruz Warriors, on Tuesday for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Kerr said that his stint could last up to 10 consecutive days. Uh, quote, I don't look at this as a demotion. I just want to get out there and hoop, is what Wiseman said. Uh Sounds like a sentence. <laughs> like, hey, you're going there for 10 consecutive days. It does, yes. Uh, how about this interesting story? Yasiel Puig, former Major League Baseball interesting player. Interesting story? This is... Wow. Go ahead. Uh, former Major League Baseball player Yasiel Puig has agreed to plead guilty to a federal charge for lying to law enforcement officials about sports bets he made with an illegal gambling operator. Puig, who now plays in South Korea, will plead guilty to one count of making false statements, a crime that carries a maximum sentence of five years in federal prison. He also agreed to pay a fine of at least $55,000. Doesn't the... Uh, like, if you read the story about the number of bets that he made illegally and the way he was moving money around, and you're like, that's it? Like, mm-hmm. that's all? I think he's a popular fantasy pick in Korean fantasy baseball. Yes. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, yes, I do. Uh, in the final story, uh, uh, Piers Morgan's favorite uh, soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, has been told by his manager that he should not expect to play for the club again, Manchester United. <laughs> Eric Ton Hag uh, uh, basically said he doesn't want to be here, so he won't be here anymore. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting departure. I mean, it doesn't matter now for the next month with the World Cup, and Portugal can make a pretty good run. Mm-hmm. And w- w- when he scores, if... I would take my shirt off, too. Like, he's going to take his shirt off when he scores for Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Just go there and leave us a five-star rating. This is a five-star segment. Back Uh, to you, Mark. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) It seems three and seven. It's the first time someone has said the number one ranked recruiting class in the country and had a losing season the next year. But behind the scenes at Texas A&M, it's a sign of something that is also happening in college sports. I'll explain next. Double Shot Tuesday continues. These are songs that are played after a team wins. This is Technopop. Who is this? This is Levels by Avicii. Oh, Avicii. Yeah. I'm down with some Avicii. Golden State Warriors, speaking oh, of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah, sure. All right. Tap. Two for Tuesday. Isn't this like 
400 teams that it's play this song? It's at least two NBA teams. What, uh, what NBA teams play? The Nuggets and the Grizzlies. I love this song. I love this I, no, song. No, I didn't say it wasn't a good song, but I, I, I would think that hundreds of teams should play oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Beat of Sports are brought to you by our friends at Seminole Power Sports, number one in Fast Fun, Reinhardt Road in Sanford, Highway 441 in Eustis. Uh, please visit again, friends, at Seminole Power Sports. Tis the season. The holidays are here. You'll find great deals for stuff on the water, the road, the dirt, your camping, your tailgating. Uh, please visit our good friends at Seminole Power Sports. So we talked about this topic a, a number of times, a number of different ways. And it's interesting to watch a story in college football, the other end of talking about it's going to make the playoffs in different scenarios and things like that, is the fascinating story of what's happening at Texas A&M. But I'm not just talking here about Jimbo Fisher's struggling season. But whenever you talk about Texas A&M and people say about the year Jimbo Fisher's having, it's followed at some point by, but the buyout's $86 million, and it's a lot of money. Is that a lot of money, Scott? I mean, it's more than I make in a week. Not if you're in crypto, it's pocket change. Um, but it's like, well, he makes $86 million. Now, I have no idea if Texas A&M is to lose its last couple of football games that there is no way that they would fire Jimbo Fisher. It ain't my money. Um, it's a fascinating story to watch of a team that is one in six in the SEC with remaining games against UMass and then LSU, which they'll lose that one. But let me tell you what would happen, okay? If you believe that any of the following scenarios have happened, name, image, and likeness comes last July. Whatever, again, people want to call it, you know what I called it, and it's paper play. Not that it's illegal, but... Name, image, and likeness should be when a situation or an opportunity develops when a player, student-athlete, whatever term you want to choose, partners with a business, and there is a legitimate business relationship, meaning we will compensate you in whatever it is, cash, a combination of cash and product or service, or product and service, no cash, whatever it is, you know, uh, you're going to endorse this product. You're going to do an appearance at this uh, uh, car dealership. You're going to use these products, and in return, you'll promote it on your social media, and there's a legitimate business deal. That is true name, image, and likeness. And there are thousands of deals like that that are out there now. Thousands. Some are very small for an exchange of free food to others being compensated uh, five and maybe a few six-figure deals. I don't believe there's a single seven-figure uh, deal out there, but maybe, there are probably some legitimate five and, and a few six-figure deals and more power to the player. But the majority of deals are pay-for-play, paying players to acquire talent, whether that is players on your roster now, whether that is paying players in a transfer portal to come to your school, whether that is to pay players as you recruit them. And the system has now developed such that even the player, whether that is the transfer the high school player, they get the game. I will pit you against someone else. I will lie about what you're supposedly offering me that is nowhere near the truth to get someone to fall for it. And it's not just the player. It's the 
uh, the middle person. It's the high school coach that wants to get something. It's the parents that, to some degree, are using their kids. That's the game. No one can police it, and I'm not saying it's wrong, although some of it really stinks. It's just where we are. There are no guardrails. It is impossible to police. No matter what you're asking the government or the NCAA to do, you can no longer do anything to stop it. However, we've reached a new level here because I want to play you a clip of something, okay? What now is allowed recently what the NCAA did, which in simplistic terms, threw their hands up. It's got like the song, throw your hands up, right? Uh, threw their hands up and said, listen, the government is never going to pass something that everyone's going to follow. Don't know how to enforce it. Each state kind of has their own rules. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to lean in. Not lean back, as Fat Joe would say. We're going to lean in. Mm-hmm. How about all these references? I love this. Uh, we're going to lean in. And basically now what we're going to say is that the schools themselves can openly endorse collectives to promote to their fans, do business with our collective. And at brands all across the country now, there's this rush to get out videos like this. Here's Kansas State, okay? They're not Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, USC. It's Kansas State. Pretty good football program, once in a while, decent basketball team, but in the middle of America, right? We're not talking about top 10 market. We're not talking about Fortune 500 companies. This is Kansas State that put out this video about what you, a K-State fan, should do. Listen. K-State family, this is Coach Klein. Wildcat Nation, it's Coach Tang. We need your help more than ever. I am frequently asked, how can I support our K-State student-athletes? Through our premier K-State collective, Wildcat NIL, you can now directly impact the lives of our K-State student athletes through name, image, and likeness. It doesn't matter if you have $5 or 500,000, we need everyone to join in. NIL is how we ensure K-State is successful. It will take the entire K-State family. Please visit catsnil.com to donate and support our athletes. Okay. I'm not picking on K-State because a lot of programs are now doing this. But if you cut through the two letters, one after B and one before T, if you cut through that, those are the football and basketball coaches that are telling you what? Hey, uh, we need your money to buy players. Okay. We, we need your money, $5 or 500000 We need your money right now to buy players. Scott, I, I want to read something. This is from Colorado mm-hmm. coach Mike Sanford. He, he, he's on an interim basis. They fired their coach. This is their own website. This isn't like you know somebody asked them at a press conference. This is their own website. Mm-hmm. On their own athletic website, he talks about their NIL program. And uh, these are his quotes. In the story, okay, these are his quotes. Quote, we are um, we are in deep with a recruit or a transfer or even sometimes a personal connection to that transfer. We are on the phone. Everything's good. There's going to be an official visit, and then all of a sudden it goes completely silent. You can't get a text back. You can't get any phone calls back. 
Literally, a $300,000 or $400,000 deal is on the table, he says. This is real. That's in their official release on their, quote, collective. Now, that's the game right now. But nobody cares about, hey, is there like a, you know, is there product or business or service? that? No, nobody cares. Now, what the collective is really supposed supposed to be is like yeah we you know we form partnerships with businesses and we get our players you know network now we're not even telling you that now we're just saying we need your money we need your money give us your money so so in some ways we're challenging your fandom how much do you love us i mean you buy tickets uh you 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 watch us on tv you buy some merchandise and that's nice and keep doing that. But but now, now what? I told you this, and I'm not very bright. The burden of talent acquisition and coaching buyouts are going to be placed on you. You. You're not giving enough. Convince your friends to give more. Get them involved. You've got to recruit. We can put out the videos and we can have our coaches do it, but this is on you. When you go on Twitter or message boards and you read about a recruit that has either flipped from us or one that we're going for and we don't get it, it's on you because you've got to give more. This is a coach in the university's own release telling you, hey, three dollars $400,000. I mean, I had to read that three times to go, somebody thought this was okay to put in the uh, uh, release. And you know why? Because they're telling you, hey, got to be honest. And every major brand has done something like this. They got the cool video and everything, and they're basically telling you, hey, come on now, let's go. Now, that's the game that's being played, but I I told you this last year. When your school doesn't get the top 10 recruiting class, and people act like 50 schools are in the top 10 in recruiting, it can only be 10 or, or, or top 20. You can blame the coach, hey, he doesn't recruit well, and they're going to tell you, oh, no, 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 no. We didn't lose the recruit because we didn't recruit him. We lost the recruit because we needed more money. And if we need more money, well, you guys got to give more money. I I told you this last year that, 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 that the optics, I use that word a lot, the optics of this is going to come back on you, Right? I brought up the, 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 the Gator Collective. Nothing wrong with it. It's doing everything that you're allowed to do. Telling you, hey, you know, we need 20. 20 million, maybe 30. It's what we want. It's what we need. Every year? Like, that's sustainable? Because when you don't get it, hey, it's on you. Or, hey, they flipped so-and-so, yeah, because they offered more. Which gets us back to Texas A&M. That is a lot of money. If somebody wants to move on of Jimbo Fisher. And think about it. As I was talking to Bianchi earlier this week on the bridge. Earlier this week. I think it was late last week. It's only Tuesday. Maybe I mentioned it yesterday. Senior moments, Scott. Um, it happens. It's a lot going on. The, the big war daddies. Not the football players. But I mean the guys that gave the cash to get the class that Jimbo Fisher wanted. You think they're happy at 3-7? and seven? They may end up being 4-8. and eight. And somebody says, wait, not only did we have that kind of year, but then some of the players that either we cut deals with or uh, have promised money that they're leaving 
and then they get upset. Hey, I don't know if I want to continue. Well, it's $86 million. Well, let's take a look at those that have been giving us money. Hey, you want to change? Well, you know, because this is what does happen. When you give to the collectives, and it's fine. It's your money. I'll never tell you, don't do this. Don't. It's your money. If you're somebody that's giving money to collective now, and you believe it's for the right reasons, then good for you. If you don't, then that's your choice as well. I don't know how many of you track your money. When you give it to somebody, do you care? Do you know where it goes? Because I'm going to tell you, some places, they don't want you to ask that question. Because in some places, they'll be like, yeah, oh, no, it's going to the players, you know, and, and, and you know, we'll, we'll figure out the partnerships and stuff like that. Because at some point, someone's going to say, well, I don't want that coach. Well, you know, give, give your money. That's now the burden's on you. You want the recruit? You want the big recruiting class? You want the acquisition of talent? You want the guys to transfer portal? Hey, our coaches are busting their butt, it, you know. It's going to fall on you. I told you the shift was going to happen, and they're doing it, I wouldn't say quietly, they're, they're doing it in front of your eyes. And I'm not even arguing it's wrong because we're creating the rules day by day. But it is on you because the team you love is going to tell you, look, this is the game, man. We're not telling you the actual market. I mean, we can whisper it to you, but we're going to kind of tell you. You know, we need $10 million, $20 million a year, and things like that. Sustainable? I don't believe it. But that now is what happens. Hmm. Uh, going to do a bit of sports overtime coming up at 12 noon on Instagram Live. Join us uh, for that. Double Shot Tuesday continuing right now. And what do you got? Oh, it's uh, cool, the gang? Yeah. We're still doing that today? Yeah. You know who is? Who? Houston Rockets. I got no problem with cool in the game, man. Oh, also Nothing wrong get, with it. Also probably doesn't run and get played as much. Oh, that's a low blow. Am I wrong? They got a nice plane, though. They do. They do have a nice plane. They have a nice plane. Stand by. Something incredible is about to happen. More of the Beat of Sports with Mark Daniels. After this. It's a double shot Tuesday. Rocky Mountain Way, the Colorado Rockies. Yes. Uh, well, that's not exactly going on in the list. <laughs> Can I ask you to look something up? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I want you to uh, look up on Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, go to at uh, USFL Bandits. Let me know when you're there. Right. All right, what's the bio say below at USFL Bandits? The official account of the USFL's Tampa Bay Bandits. Don't look down. Hard stop. Just stay right there. Uh, last year, the USFL returned and played in what one city? Birmingham. Okay. And um, the Tampa Bay Bandits went four and six. Mm-hmm. And the USFL this year was planning on doing what? They were going to move to cities, right? Yes. Okay. Now, uh, how many followers? They have 25,000 followers. Okay, and scroll down to the first pin tweet says what? Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't show pin tweets oh, oh, on, oh. on... Well, get your tickets. It was posted March 7th. Okay. Okay. 
scroll down, and then what do you see below that? Or one that was posted like 18 minutes ago. Thank you, Bandits fans. We are officially going on hiatus for USFL Season 2, but don't worry. We'll be back. Uh, No, they won't, because the Memphis Showboats are coming back as the Tampa Bay Bandits have just moved to Memphis. So this is maybe something for the first time, Scott. A city gets a team, Mm -hmm. and they never play there. The Tampa Bay Bandits played in Birmingham last year as, US, as the USFL came back. And now they're going to Memphis as the showboats are returning. And that's it for the Tampa Bay Bandits. I don't want You're this... speechless, I could tell. I actually am. Yeah. I don't want this to sound like a mean question. Okay. Will there be a season two? Of what? The USFL? Yes. You think so? Yeah. Full season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Fox lost money. Yeah. But it was content for them. Uh-huh. And they're committed, just like the XFL. Why is the XFL playing a season this year? Because the Rock said they are. And and, and who's an equity partner in it as well? The four-letter network that also has three letters that they'll show games on? Yeah. ESPN is going to put some yep. games on AB. Okay, so they'll survive this year. Now, I don't know if we're doing this in you know five years, but the Tampa Bay Bandits never got to play again in Tampa. The original Bandits, of course, a sweet spot in the heart of Bay Area fans, but the Memphis Showboats are back. That's exciting, isn't it? It actually is, yeah. There you go. So uh, the Memphis Come on, that's your point, to rattle off some Showboats uh, players' names. Well, first off, the... Uh, the logo is actually pretty cool. And um, now they're going to the Liberty Bowl. So, um, you know, good luck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pepper Rogers, by the way, is the original Memphis Showboats uh, coach. Bet you didn't think I dropped that one on you. No. Though. Yeah. Uh, can I? Uh, so I pulled up the Wikipedia page for the Memphis Showboats. Do you want to? Can you name the two most prominent players on the Showboats roster? Now? No. Well, uh, hold on. Um, can I get a? Uh, oh wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! I uh uh, uh Reggie White. Yes. Yeah. And Reggie White played for the Memphis Showboats uh, mm-hmm. before going to uh, Philadelphia. Yes, and I mean uh, the uh, total package. Lex, oh, Lex Luger. Luger. Lex yeah. Luger. Yeah. 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 Wow. Come on, I get some points for Reggie White, right? Oh, you, you, I mean, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. There you go. Oh, a Pepper Rogers, Memphis Showboats, and Tampa Bay Bandits blast all on the program today. That's pretty good, huh? Deep Pretty stuff awesome. right there. That's Pretty it for the awesome. Bandits, man. Just when you thought you kind of had some momentum going there, and that's it. They're gone. Like, is, are the players coming? discussions like, hey, we're, we're not going to make it, man. We, 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 we can't do it, man. We got no place to play. We got no lease. We got, you know, so we got to go. Yeah. Is, 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 is Todd Haley still the coach? Of who? The, well, he was the coach of the Bandits. Oh, he was? Yes. Oh, um, 
I don't know. Can't help you there. By the way, there's eight teams in the USFL. Can uh-huh. you name the head coaches? No. Skip, I mean, Skip Holtz just won a championship. Skip Holtz. Yeah. Kevin Sumlin. John D. Filippo. Maybe Todd Haley. We don't actually know. Uh-huh. Jeff Fisher. Mike Riley. Way, Todd Haley wanted the U, uh, uh, the UCF job years ago. Aggressively what? tried to get his people to... Well, he can he can go after the USF job then. It's open if he still lives there. I remember if that was was that pre Frost after O'Leary or, or, or it, it may have been when Scott left before Danny hired Hypo. Mm-hmm. Like somebody called me and goes, "What do you think of Todd Haley?" I'm like, "Why should I think of him? Like he he, he might want the UCF job. Like okay, like to go to Mars one day too, but." Wait, are they only... Wait, did you finish the uh Oh, list? no, sorry. Uh, Bart Andrus and Kirby Wilson. Okay. Wait, are they playing all of their games in home cities or not? No, they're still using Birmingham for select games, and a few teams are playing in home cities. Yeah, because I'm reading the Houston Gamblers will be part of the Memphis hub. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so there's a Memphis hub and a Birmingham hub, and then there's another hub yet to be announced but most likely will be grouped in Michigan. What about a hub arcish of Pro Football uh, Weekly? That's where the Michigan Panthers, New York Generals, Philadelphia Stars, and Pittsburgh Maulers. All right. <laughs> why, play, why not play in home cities? I don't understand this. <clears throat> Sometimes, Scott, questions are better just left unanswered. Back uh, with some notes and quotes. Don't forget to beat a sports overtime coming up on Instagram Live at 12 noon uh, today. Somebody uses Ace Freely's, a New York group. Mm-hmm. Is it a New York team? It is. It's not your baseball team. The Mets use this? Yeah. Ninety-six-nine. The game. FM. HD. Online at 969thegame.com. On your phone with the iHeartRadio app. And on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. An iHeartRadio station. This report is sponsored by KFC. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. It is Sports Overtime coming up on Instagram Live uh, in just a little bit. Uh, Join us over there. Honorable mentions of songs that uh, didn't make it uh, today. Um, by the way, we're talking about USFL and XFL. The Alliance of American Football. The, uh, the group of attorneys overseeing the bankruptcy court have sued Tom Dundon. That's the guy that bought the league for a quarter billion dollars. Um, claiming that he took advantage of the financial situation for tax benefits and um, may have purposely drove it into the ground so he could benefit uh, from it. But anyway, um, let's see. What else uh, do we have? Uh, World Cup starts uh, this coming weekend. The Americans will play the first match on Monday. Uh, The U.S. plays Wales team is uh, in Qatar and went through a practice session uh, earlier uh, today. The U.S. plays three group matches all at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Next Friday, Black Friday, a big match against England. Um, But not an easy group to get out of. But um, 
The World Cup does begin uh, this weekend. Fox has coverage of uh, the World Cup. The Americans uh, have a chance to get out of the group, but it's a big match on Monday uh, against Wales. Um, Top basketball recruit DJ Wagner picks Kentucky. John Calipari will again reel in a number one recruiting class for the seventh time at uh, Kentucky. Um, HBO dropped a trailer for the new Shaq documentary series. Four episodes of that will come out. Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. What does that mean? He's he's been front-facing his entire life. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's a it's a four episode infomercial for Shaq. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking, I mean, he's on board with it, so this is his. You said HBO on HBO. So can I read a quote from uh, uh, Zaz, David Zaslov, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO? Mm-hmm. Quote: Sports is hard. Uh, sports once lifted all boats, but he now says. We have favorable deals on March Madness, NHL, and baseball playoffs. On the NBA, he says, we don't have to have the NBA. Yeah, he also said that HBO lost $3 billion. Mm-hmm. But, but if you peel back, uh, I'm not getting into it, but the way their books, a lot of the production of some of their biggest series, how's the dragon, uh, is part of that. Yeah. So he tells you that they lost $3 billion. Fuzzy math sometimes. Well, they are in financial problems right well, now. Well, but it's not because of that show. No, that, no, no, that, no. That, that That's the least of the problem. Uh, over to Instagram, live to sports overtime on the Wednesday show tomorrow. Movie Wednesday will join us. Keith Smith, NBA basketball. Andre Adelson, the college football writer, be on with us. And Declan Hill, the investigative reporter on why this is the dirtiest World Cup ever. He's coming on our show? Yes. He agreed to come on this show. Why it's the dirtiest World Cup ever. All coming up on the Wednesday show. Scott produced on Mark Daniels to be the sport.